Welcome to another edition of the Ultimate Weigh-In Show. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter at MMALOTN. This week, we're going over UFC Vegas 37, headlined by a light heavyweight scrap between Anthony Smith and uh, Ryan Spann. almost forgot Ryan Spann's name for a second there, but very interesting uh, main event that we got here. Uh, Ryan Spann's first time up there uh, in the main event slot, so let's see how he deals with that, but I know with a guy like Safe Sayud in his corner, he's definitely going to be ready to go. I'm very much looking forward to that. The reason I bring up Safe Sayud is because I think he's one of the better coaches that are out there. Luckily for us, we got another great coach joining us for this week. If you guys remember the last episode that I did, I had my guy James Cross on along with Eddie Chaw. Unfortunately, Eddie wasn't really that ready in terms of the fighters that were competing on the card, and he continued to toot the horn of our guy Santino DeFranco, and he goes, oh, if you want somebody on that's going to give you some picks, give you some good insight, Santino's the guy to have on. So luckily, shout out to my guy Eddie Cha. He's able to bring in our guy Santino DeFranco here. Santino, what's going on, my guy? Hey, not much, not much, man. Uh, I appreciate appreciate you having me on here. Um, Eddie is always trying to get me more media stuff and doing more stuff, and I, I'm the worst. I don't I don't do anything. I'm a hermit. Leave me alone in a closet, and yeah, you know, let me just just stay stay off social media, stay out of it. But yeah, I appreciate you having me on here and you know talking fights. That's that's what I love to do. Absolutely. Uh, I did a little bit of stalking on you and I found out that you actually have a YouTube channel as well. I've been so gracious enough to actually put in the description for you guys. If you guys want to go give uh, Santino a subscribe over there, he does some behind the scenes stuff, some gym stuff. He even drops his own picks, which is a great start for us here, obviously, because we want to go out there and uh, cast some tickets. According to Eddie, though, you've been on a bit of a heater over the last couple of weeks with LFA and, and UFC and all that stuff. Are you an avid gambler per se, or how would you clarify or, or classify yourself in that regard? Man, so yes, but no. And I, I, I gamble on most of the fights, and it, on most of the fight cards, not on most of the fights. Because I think if I don't, I, I'm, I won't bet on a fight just to bet on a fight. So I, I will, I will look at a card. I will see what fights I like. I'll see the bets. I'll see the picks. And if it makes sense, then I will bet on them. But if I don't like anything, I won't do it. And I am a, I'm so lame with my dollar amounts, like. I got a good buddy of mine who is betting ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars a fight a week, like not a fight, but like a fight card, like these major big things. So he's winning, losing ten, twenty, fifty thousand dollars, which is too much for me. I'm like, what I do is, uh, you know, I, I guess gambling's legal in Arizona now. It, it just yeah. uh, sports gambling just opened up, but I always go to Bovada, um, use them, and I'll, I'll, you know, start with a hundred bucks. I'll build that up to about a thousand dollars you know, then I take it out, leave nine, you know, leave a hundred bucks in there and then do it again and again and again. But I, you know, I'm making like 25, $50 bets when, when I start to build more money, I'll make a hundred, $200 bets, but I, I can't, I can't lose money. It's not in my DNA. Yeah, no, I hear you for sure. It's definitely a uh, very nerve wracking when you have like upwards of what 500 bucks down or a thousand bucks down on a single fight card alone. Uh, so it's good to, you know, keep yourself in check and good for you in terms of remaining disciplined, because a lot of people can go off the handle and try to, you know, again, get 20, 30 grand down and probably not know anything about the fighters either. Just like, oh, I've this guy's Russian. Let me just bet on him. He's probably going to end up winning or something well, like that, right? If you're going to go on blind bets, that's the single best thing you could do is bet on a Russian. Like, if you don't know what's going on, like, you bet the Russian. And, exactly. and if he's a Dagestani Russian, you bet t double on the Twice Dagestani Russian. Yeah, exactly. Uh, two things I actually want to touch on before we get into the breakdowns of the fights that we're going to be talking about for, for tomorrow. Uh, you yourself, former fighter, 
was on the Ultimate Fighter season nine, I believe it was. Uh, and then after that, just up and call it quits. Uh, if you don't mind me asking, what what was the reason behind that, and how did you end up finding yourself in the head coaching position or one of the coaching positions over there at Fight Ready? Well, I stopped fighting because I had a brain aneurysm, um, and so I'd, uh, you know, I, I, it was before I actually stopped fighting. I stopped fighting. I was supposed to be on the second season of The Ultimate Fighter, um, and then I was, I think, about eleven and two or something like that. Had a brain aneurysm. Had brain surgery. Came back, and I sucked after I came back. Like, I mean, I just mentally, like, sometimes I would show up, sometimes I wouldn't show up, and I just, you know, I didn't want to not know if I was going to show up or not. You know, I just. I have too much respect for myself, the sport. I didn't want to be one of these guys that fights for a paycheck and gets hit and taps out and he's, you know, 10 and 50 with a, you know what I mean? A record like that. Yeah. So, so that, that's why I quit. Um, and then, uh, you know, I was, I was open my own gym for a while, but then I sold that, went to grad school. I was actually teaching college English for years. Um, and then eventually I, I just started training people more and more and more and more, uh, which, which brought me to fight ready. Um, you know, and, and I also coach at another gym, Siege MMA, and now I'm coaching fighters and talking with you. Hell yeah, that's awesome, man. It's it's great that we're able to stay within the industry itself, right? Like, obviously, you don't want to half-ass a sport like MMA. It's like it's not like basketball where you're just like, okay, I'm going to get blown up by 60 points if I'm not on my game compared to MMA where you're going to get, you know, knocked out cold and, and you know, it, it has, uh, you know, crazy effects on your health, uh, especially long-term. So it's good on you in terms of making that choice, right? That's a That was a big part of you for a long time in your life and you had to hang it up for, for unfortunate reasons. But at least you're still in the sport. You're in Involved in it, you're teaching other people, and you guys are damn good at it over there. At Fight ready, I, I must say. Obviously, you guys got Suhudo and Tracy Cortez is doing great things as well. Haile Tang, who, who's obviously fighting tomorrow, uh, you know, I feel like he has some really good potential as well. Um, uh, last thing though, before we do get into it. Obviously, big news. Uh, Wiley Zhang is over there at Fight Ready now. I believe she's already taken a couple pictures and had some uh, had some uh, some training sessions out there with you guys. Uh, how has that gone, if you don't mind me asking? And uh, you know, how does it feel in terms of having there at the gym with you guys already? Um, well, one did I cut? Okay, okay. I, I, good, lost, uh, I lost myself for a second. I was like, where did I go? Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's been great so far. She's just been in for about a week. Um, got the first week of training down, kind of getting to know uh, each other, getting to know her skill set. I mean, of course, you watch tape, but tape is only what we see in a fight. We don't really know uh, what what type of skill set people have um, out outside of MMA, and, and usually it's it's huge. Do you do you you know? Can somebody wrestle? Can somebody strike? Can somebody kick? Can somebody this and that? We we see what we see in a fight, but that's that's ten percent, five percent of what a person is actually capable of. So we just spent the week kind of, you know, feeling it out, getting some workouts in, um, seeing where, where she's strong, where, where we think we can improve and just kind of introducing ourselves and, and, you know, kind of, a kind of, a letting her adjust to the time change as well. So it was, you know, we got good work in, but we definitely weren't trying to redline anything yet. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and last question about that. Uh, did she actually bring in her coaches with her and, uh, doing it like that or is she just giving you guys free reign right now and you guys are you kind of just taking the wheel so actually a little bit of both all of her i mean i don't know if all of her coaches but she has uh you know three or four coaches in with her um but they have have given us you know free reign for the most part as well so 
so they they have given uh, us the ability to do what we want to do but we're we're absolutely talking with them and, and getting their input we're not we're not arrogant enough to to think that we know everything they've done a great job with her at this point so so we'd be foolish to to try and cut them out or anything they're, they're great people they're great trainers um and, and we're just trying to add a couple little areas that we think we can help complement the training versus switch the training yeah, there's no need to overhaul her, especially when she only she's had one bump in the road. Let's be honest, there's one title yeah, fight I mean, where she ends up on the losing end. You don't need to overhaul it completely, but I do like the fact that she's actually going out and seeking out help to try to just you know straighten it out a little bit more. And I feel like yeah. making the jump over to you guys is obviously a great thing. You guys don't you guys have a solid group, but you guys don't have like a ATT type of roster, right? Or yeah, or, a, or an extreme couture type of roster. You guys have a a finite amount of guys that you are able to focus yeah. on there. And, and I honestly, I, I hope we never get to that size. I, I don't yeah. like, I, I, I like quality. Um, I'm a perfectionist. I, I don't want to, I never want to have more people than I can give all of my attention to. You know, it's my, I've got two children. And after I had my first child, my wife was like, well, we need more children. And I said, look, I have a finite amount of love that I can give. Like, I don't, I don't think I can love you, a child and someone else. Like, so, I mean, she, she got me at two children, but I think there's a little bit of sacrifice to love from her and my firstborn that have gone into my, my second born. So, you know, same with my time in MMA, like I do not have, uh, you know, I, I don't want to group things. I want to, I want to be hands-on and, and really focused on it. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Let's get into the picks. This is what people are actually here for. I do want to, I did want to extract a little bit of that information off from you first, just to, you know, let's, let's say break the ice, right? That's what they call it. Icebreak right there. So let's get into the fights here. We got a 14 fight slate. Obviously one fight did drop off the other day, I believe between Nicholas Mota and uh, Cameron Van Camp. I believe Van Camp had something show up on his medicals uh, and they had to pull him out of the fight. So we are down to 14 fights. So start off at the bottom here. We got Emily Whitmire going up against Hannah Goldie in terms of odds. We're looking at minus 115-ish for Emily Whitmire, plus 105 for Hannah Goldie. Uh, I'll just quickly start off here. I, I do believe Hannah Goldie would get a her hand raised here. Uh, not with the utmost confidence. I think she's going to go out there, do what Hannah Goldie does, right? Just She plays on the outside. She uses her volume a little bit. Uh, but I did notice something, uh, at least from you know following her on IG and all that, she's doing a lot of work with Marina Shafir, obviously former judo standout, doing a lot of work with Jillian Robertson as well, which kind of leads me to believe that she might look to grapple a little bit here, even with Emily Whitmire. Um, I believe that Emily... Oh, shit, there he is. <laughs> Eddie Cha. <laughs> How's it going, brother? He said, oh, he can't even hear you. Oh, he can't hear it's, you. I didn't uh, realize. He, no, I've got the headphones in. Yeah, I've got the headphones in. Just hey, tell him I said hi. Hey, yeah, will you leave that door open? I'm in Haley's workout room, and Perfect. it is a sweat box in here. It's like 87 <laughs> degrees, and uh, Eddie's turning the, the temperature down for me. So thank Perfect. you, Eddie. Turn Looking the air on, on ice. Oh, my gosh, it's crazy. So... <laughs> I love anyway, it. I love though, it. I love it. so so yeah. first of all, so we'll get into Emily Whitmire and Hannah Goldie in a second, but yeah. you had me on here on the card where there's seven thousand fights, which has never happened before. <laughs> and with six thousand of those fights, I don't know a good port. Not, not I actually do know a good portion, considering how many there are. But there are quite a few. I don't know if you'd call them unknown, but a little bit obscure fighters on the card. Like this is not a, a big household name card, um, just just so we're clear. 
No, for sure. Uh, absolutely. Like, I, 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 I don't expect you, I believe I reached out to you earlier. I'm like, I don't expect you to know everybody here. And you're absolutely yeah. welcome to hit the pass if you want to hit the pass here. No, but I, know I, there I, are I some think I've got on a, here. It's just a funny card to see when you're like, you, you see a lot of fight cards and you're like, whoa, where, where are the yeah, names that I'm used to seeing? But, but separately, so, so Emily Wettmeyer and Hannah Goldie, I have to disagree with you. Um, I think Whitmire gets it done. And not in, in this, for everything I say, I, I'm very derogatory for a, for a lot of, you know, and, and I don't mean it that way. This is, we're talking about fights. So I don't mean to be mean toward people, um, but yeah. you're asking me how I picks, how people win, how people lose. So please don't take this personally, people. But um, I, I think Whitmire is not an athlete. Hold on, I'm actually, he just opened the door where I'm in a fighter hallway talking about the fighters. I'm gonna go shut the door <laughs> so I don't get jumped over here. <laughs> Santino DeFranco gonna get jumped live on the stream here if he talks bad about Hannah Goldie. Maybe she's in the next room over there. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sitting over here. And then there's like people in the workout rooms right next to me of the fighters that I'm about to tell are gonna lose for some reason. <laughs> um, so That'd anyway. Yeah, so so Whitmire is is longer. She's the cleaner striker, um, but she is not. She's definitely not physical. She's and you kind of see this almost in this division, probably more so than any other division. You see tall, skinny, unathletic looking people, and then those like short, stocky tanks. Like it's kind of like that. And, and I think Hannah Goldie. Honestly, I, I think she's tough. Um, and she looks like a mini juggernaut. She is a powerhouse of a human. She's very strong, but her wrestling um, does not match her, um, you know, really her physical ability. And, and she gets hit from the outside. She comes in, she's very square. Emily Whitmire is for as, for as bad, I guess you would say of a wrestler as she is and for how unphysical she is, she's a much more technical boxer. Um, and, and I don't, Hannah Goldie's not some jujitsu phenom where she's going to get her out of there fast. Hannah Goldie's really, her way to win is, is by being physical and pressing and grinding. Um, and, and I, I, I don't know that that is the best option when we're really, what are you, what is your way to win to be bigger and stronger, but not, but, but how, how, how does that help? So I, I think, uh, I think Emily Whitmire gets it. Um, wouldn't surprise me either way i think it's a coin toss in terms of like would i bet money on it probably not i think it's i think the variables are too close but i do think emily whitmire gets the win um and if people do like that bet those are good odds especially on this card that i think is really i think it really favors the favorites for the most part top to bottom yeah, when I was running through this card earlier this week, I don't think I picked one underdog other than Hannah Goldie. And even that was like a very low percentage uh, level of confidence for me. For me, it was more so, I feel as though, what I like to call it, the, the path to victory that you're explaining for Hannah Goldie, what I like to call is grapple fucking. You know I mean, push mm -hmm. her up against the cage, you know, control time, stay active enough that the referee doesn't separate them or something like that. I feel as though she needs to go out there and do something like that, especially after that last fight against Diana Babita where she got lit up from mm -hmm. distance. And Emily Whitmire could absolutely go out there and replicate that type of performance i, I feel like albita yeah i feel I like albita is a little bit of a better striker bit. yeah yeah but uh, I, i'm I, personally i'm not the highest on whitmire striking but there could be things i'm just not seeing myself if you know yeah. something that i don't know that's why we have no, guys like I, you want no, i think you're right i think you're right i think she's clean yeah. she doesn't have a ton of power 
Um, but I think Hannah Goldie is so short as well. There's a big height discrepancy in that power. If if Hannah had a little bit better wrestling, I I would be confident in that fight. It's, it's, it's her, it's her skill set without the wrestling. If If she had a little bit better wrestling, I would definitely go with her. I like it. I like it. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. And this is obviously the one that you guys are in Vegas for. We got Gustavo Lopez going up against Haile Alatang. In terms of odds, we're looking at minus 134, the fight-ready product, Haile Alatang, and plus 110 is a return on Gustavo Lopez. Um, <clears throat> I'll obviously let you lead this off. Talk about it as much as you can in terms of not giving away a game plan or you know not giving away too much in terms of what Gustavo Lopez might potentially hear from this podcast. But how are you guys approaching this fight? And share what you can, please. So this will probably be the worst disappointment of all of them. I am, so it's so funny. I'm not super, I, I'm not like, I'm not anything. I'm not overly religious. I'm not really superstitious. I'm not anything with fights though. I have a couple of weird superstitions. I always, and I mean always clap for my fighter's opponents um, when they announce them. So, you know, they do the announcements every time. And I mean, and I mean every single time that I have failed to clap for a fighter's opponent, my fighter loses. And oh, so, wow. always, so I will always clap for a fighter. But the other thing is I will never, ever, 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 ever bet on one of my fighters, even if I'm the most confident I've ever been ever, I won't do it. Um, that said, Haley wins this. Um, he is a tank. Uh, I, I'm not gonna bet on it, you know, but um, he is a tank. He, he's gotten phenomenal. I, I mean, he was phenomenal when he got here. And, and we have so many training partners his size in our gym with the, the the striking and the boxing coaches that we have and our high-level wrestling coach, Angel Cejudo, Henry Cejudo's brother. Um, it, it just complements the skill set so well. So, uh, you know, I think it's a great fight for Haley. Uh, and, and that's where I'll leave that. I'm being super lame on that. But that's 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 where I'm at with Haley and my guy and, and everything. Of course, I don't want you to like spill out your game plan or anything like that. That's obviously uh, completely understandable. I do want to give a quick shout out to my guy here, Clint from Die Hard MMA Podcast. He is probably fight ready fan number one. Uh, he's saying, Santino, say it with me, Alatang by KO, baby. <laughs> but I will say this in terms of my interpretation of this fight, uh, I think both are wrestlings uh, or a wrestling game will kind of nullify each other. I think we might see this play out to be a striking battle. And I I got to give the advantage to Haile here, whereas Gustavo Lopez, I see he's a little bit too wild with the striking, right? He goes out there, he the wide looping hooks. He, it looks like he's more so just trying to get some damage off and then get out of the way or look for a takedown behind that because he's pretty good, in my opinion, in terms of mixing up takedowns behind his strikes. Haile Alatang, though, great wrestling background like we've already spoken about. Uh, he already has some good tools that he's bringing to fight ready. I truly think it's going to be a striking. That's going to be the difference maker here. I think he's a cleaner Christmas striker shots down the pipe should be able to catch lopez whenever lopez tries to crash forward uh and i think he will do enough damage here does he have enough power to knock out gustavo lopez i'm not 100 sure i think lopez is quite durable although he did get knocked out by yanez last time around no disrespect to highly i do think that yanez brings a little bit more to the table in terms of technical striking and power that he's able to produce um so i do see this fight going to a decision if you were to make one prediction here though do you think that highly has that knockout power to to put away a guy like gustavo lopez man he's got some power he's got some pop we've we focused on, on that quite a bit um really just settling his feet in to to give to make sure that he's throwing on balance a little bit more um and he's had some phenomenal rounds leading up to this camp so um you know the, the thing with this game in the ufc everybody's so evenly matched um, it's hard to call us a, a 
you, you know, a, a finish, you know, most fights go the distance, you know, and uh, will it, I don't, I don't know if it will or not, but he definitely has the power to finish Gustavo. Um, will he, I, you know, I don't know, but he definitely does have the power to. Perfect. I like to hear that. All right, let's move on to the next one here. We got Impa Kasanganai going up against Carlson Harris. Uh, pretty much a pick em here. Carlson Harris actually opened up as a plus 155 underdog, and the money has drained in, and it's pretty much made it a pick em fight. I like Impa Kasanganai here. I think he's the better overall fighter. Will probably have better strikes from the outside, be able to deal with the grapple-heavy approach that Carlson would likely bring to the table here, and I think he'll be able to stay out of bad positions. My, my concern, though, is he didn't look the greatest on the skills this morning, Impa Kasanganai. I'm not sure if you got an got any eyes on him when you guys were in the back or anything like that seems like he had a little bit of a tough cut from your eyes as a as a coach do you see any type of correlation when you have guys that have bad weight cuts and what they look like in the cage or is that just a myth that we're just making up as as betters and gamblers man um so in terms of what they look like on the scale it's 100 myth like you, we don't know yeah. um they could look really bad on the scale but it wasn't actually the worst weight cut um you know, conversely, they can look like, oh, they don't look sucked out. They don't look bad. They don't look, and, and it's the worst weight cut they've ever had in their lives. So in, in terms of actual aesthetics and seeing it from, from outsider, um, I wouldn't put too much stock in it. In terms of what I've seen as a coach, uh, yeah, generally bad weight cuts, hard weight cuts really affect the fighters. They really do. But even, even more so than the weight cut. And this is, this is what people get wrong. The weight cut is secondary. It is the reload and the recovery of the weight cut that matters so much more. So if you, you could have a great weight cut, but you don't reload and rehydrate and recover properly, yeah, honestly, you drink too fast. Okay, well, that, that creates a flushing mechanism in your body. Um, you need to make sure you get sodium right off the bat, tons and tons and tons of sodium right off the bat um, because you need uh, your body to hold on to the water that's that's going to be coming in um, making sure you move around a little bit at night move around a little bit in the morning because you've got just all of this water in your stomach but you, your body needs to start absorbing it pushing it into your muscles so bad weight cuts are are very scary as a coach bad recoveries bad reloads are even worse and, and the bad thing about the reload is you don't really know how it was, how it is. That, that's kind of all, I mean, we, we, we hope to have good ones, but you can't really tell how the reload was until after the fight. Um, so so that's that's the scary part. Uh, that said, I I don't think so. I think, um, um, gosh, I'm, I'm pulling up my stuff here. I think Harris is a grappling freaking beast, man. Yeah. This dude, he is tall, he is gangly. He's got a win over uh, Michelle Pereira from, you know, back oh, in the man. day before they were they were there. He's beaten Dagestanis in ACB. Um, I, I think he wins. I think he gets the the win. I think his grappling is really underrated. Um, and, but I also his striking is not great. But he's he's good enough to to avoid um, the. I mean, you know, big shots out in the open. He's long. And, and he rushes in. He, once if he can get a body lock, it's a wrap. If he can get a body lock, he he rushes the cage. His his pure wrestling is not great, but he's tall for the weight class. He gets to the fence. If he can even shoot, just shoot and come up to a body lock, um, all bets are off, man. That that's a wrap. So I I think Harris wins it. I don't think he has the the cage experience that uh, 
Impa has, but I, I think he gets the the victory with with his jujitsu, straight up jujitsu. Look at that! Like for the first three fights, me and Santino already disagree on two of them. But it is what it is. <laughs> I like having uh, conflicting like opinions and stuff. I, that that's what people are here for, and that's what they want to hear about. Uh, I do think Impa will be able to maintain that distance, use his striking, keep Carson on the outside. But Carson, like you said, not the greatest technical striker, but does have some good power in his hands, and that should be enough or could be enough to potentially scare Impa Kasanganike to be able to close that distance, grab that body lock, and drag this fight to the ground. But you know who else did? You know his last fight, Christian Aguilar. He had power, and yeah. um, that was not. I mean, he, he was clubbing something there. Beautiful, That's beautiful it. spot. Yeah, two two minutes, and then that was a wrap. He was in there swinging and going. He's a you know kind of a shorter, stackier, powerful guy. Um, and Harris just breezed through it like nothing. Um, yeah, I I, I think um, you know, Impa. I think I don't know. I, I think his striking is decent, but it, it's there are holes. It's he's he's not a world beater. I mean, even watching him with Joaquin. I mean, I know Joaquin Buckley got you know the finish at the end and everything. But if you watch that fight beforehand, he he looks a little frail. Um, he didn't handle the pressure well. His punches come at funny angles. They're not like super clean down the middle. He kind of throws them. But I'm not I'm not overly wowed by him. But I think Harris could actually make a slash here in a little bit. If Harris wins this fight. I think he gets a little uh, um, a little bit of noise behind him. I think it was his second fight in the UFC. It was Aguilera yeah. uh, Aguilera's first fight? Um, I believe he won uh, his spot in the UFC with that looking for a fight show because uh, I believe they were in uh, right. Abu Dhabi doing that UAE Warrior show. Yes, that and that's him. where he beat the Dagestani and then uh, eventually yes. got that contract. Uh, but yeah, he's 34 years old. He's got to get it going now, right? Like, yep. get a dominant win over Impa Kasanganai. Impa's a respectable name within the organization. So if he's able to get that dub, I'm sure he's going to be put on a little bit of a fast track. All right, let's move Let's move things along. We still got a, a handful of fights to go through here. We got Aaron Blanchfield going up against Sarah Alpar. Uh, minus 380 for the debut, Tom. Aaron Blanfield and the return on Sarah Alpar's plus 340. Are you familiar with these women? What, what, what's your so take on I'm going to be special? super annoying on, on a couple of these coming up now. I have some sort of link. I, I'm like six degrees from Kevin Bacon over here with this because <laughs> uh, like I, I, I'm just, I'm super annoying to the viewers, to people. Oh, I know this. Oh, my fighter fought this. Oh, this and that. This is the first one. Tracy Cortez fought Aaron Blanchfield uh, in Invicta. Yes. And Tracy won a split decision. And this to date, including Tracy's loss, was her hardest fight. Erin Blanchfield is tough as shit. She is good. She was good when she fought Tracy, gosh, two, two and a half years ago. She's even better now. Her striking has improved. I'm assuming she has improved. Um, Alpar, her, 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 she's a jiu-jitsu girl. She's going to try and get this fight to the ground. Um, that could be the worst thing she would do with Erin Blanchfield because Erin Blanchfield, that's phenomenal jujitsu. This is one of those fights. I know she's a, would you say she was negative 380? Minus, minus 380, yeah, pretty big. Minus 380. Okay, so that's a big favorite. But, um, you know, in, in the stock market, you go with the, the you want to buy a good stock at a fair price, not a fair stock at a good price. Yeah. And Aaron Blanchfield is a good stock. It doesn't matter the price. She is going to incrementally rise. You're going to win some money on her, but it's not this boom or bust. What you don't want to do is is pick these big dogs who you're like, oh, but what if they could this? What if they could that? Oh, if that one lucky punch. And that is a fair stock at a good price, which we don't want. You don't want you don't want that. Blanchfield wins this hands down. Bet whatever you were gonna bet on any of the other fights you were uncertain of, 
put on Aaron Blanchfield. <laughs> I have <clears throat> I have somebody in my community that's a huge Aaron Blanchfield fight, so I'm sure he's losing his shit right now hearing what you're saying about her. But yeah, I agree. You know, she's 22 years old. Uh, she still has some growing to do, but we do see that improvement on a fight-to-fight basis. Like from her fight with Tracy Cortez all the way to her last fight with Brogan Sanchez, we saw an improvement with her striking in particular, right? She's using her strike striking very well to be able to blend in the takedowns, drag the fight to the ground, and have success there as well. Or she's able to decapitate chicks like she did against Victoria Leonardo with that beautiful head kick in the second round in her yep. second last fight. So she definitely is making improvements. Sarah Alpar, on the other hand, been out for a little while. She's obviously trying to rebound after that uh, Jessica Rose Clark fight. But I feel like with her rudimentary style of just trying to drag fights to the ground and here, especially trying to drag it to the ground against a high-level BJJ uh, practitioner like uh, Aaron Blanchfield, he's probably in for a rough night. Uh, so yeah, I'm glad that we agree with Aaron Blanchfield there. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. Uh, another guy with a lot of hype on him coming into the UFC Still trying to flesh himself out. He has Montel Jackson going up against J.P. Bays. Very fun fight. I'll quickly kick this one off for you guys. I love the fight. Doesn't go to decision on this fight. It's minus 200. I've already parlayed it with something later on this card that we'll talk about. But I love this spot. I think that either either Montel Jackson goes out there, gets a submission or a TKO himself, or J.P. Bays finds an early finish himself. J.P., in my opinion, has a bit of a cardio issue and has a little bit of a durability issue, in my opinion. When he gets hit clean by certain guys, it doesn't it seems like he almost hits a wall looks for the exit sign and guys are able to get the finish quickly out of there uh i know a lot of people are saying you know montel jackson couldn't finish felipe clark so how is he going to finish a guy like jp bays he hit every he hit clark with everything and the kitchen sink in that fight if you guys remember go back and watch that he almost got him out of there clark is just a dog if montel jackson brings that same fight here against jp bays he's getting bays out of there Again, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of JP Bays, uh, former Fortis guy. I believe he's uh, he followed his wife out there to Extreme Couture now. Uh, we'll see how that changes his game, if anything. But one thing that it can change is his durability. I think that's where he's going to have some issues. Uh, and I'm taking Montel Jackson to win this fight, probably by first or second round KO. Uh, but I do like the fight doesn't go to decision here. Minus 200, a little bit juicy. But I think it's as close to a lock of the night play, to be honest. Santina, how do you feel about this matchup? I agree 1,000 billion percent. Let's um, go. Man, Montel is a beast. He is phenomenal. Um, and actually, for everything I said on Aaron Blanchfield, I lie. Do all of that with Montel. <laughs> because, oh, wait, no, no, no. Wait, did you say he was minus? Uh, He's like minus 600. So oh, I took the mind. fight doesn't go to decision. So one of them getting oh, a finish. Okay, okay. I was thinking yeah. you said he was minus two hundred. I was like, oh my gosh, how much money do I have in my account? I need to bet all that. But yeah, okay, yeah. See, in my head, I was thinking that he was a a bigger favorite, and that minus two hundred. I think it was yeah. the parlay that you were saying. But no, yeah. uh, here's the second fight. JP Bays fought Bruno Silva, who trained with us. Um, yeah. And Bruno starts him in the second round. And Bruno's a small twenty five er. Um, I think JP Bays, I think his wrestling is way overstated. They're they're talking about him going for the Olympics and this and that. Like if he's going for the Olympics, I'm going for the Olympics. Um, <laughs> you know, you're going for the we're all going for the Olympics. Let's go, let's do it. <laughs> um, no, I, I think I think Montel gets it, but I wouldn't be surprised if Montel Jackson gets a submission. Okay. I'm and I'll tell you why. Is um yeah, he did it with Kelleher. He rocked him badly. Yes. Kelleher shot and he's got those long arms and he darsed them and it kind of darsed them to figure it right off the bat. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised with that. I do think you're right. I think people fight JP Bays and he looks for a way out. He is not durable. He does not like to strike and he doesn't like to get hit. And I think once he does get hit, he, he might start looking for the shot in, in bad positions, which is going to give his neck up to Montel. 
So whether he gets a TKO or whether he gets a submission, the strikes are going to lead to that Montel. Um, you know, kind of kind of easy, easy pick right there. Not to say that these picks are all going to win, but in my head, yeah. that's not a toss up. I, I that's I, I that's a pretty favorable matchup for Montel. I like it. I like it. Um, I will say this. I, I'm a big fan of Bruno Silva. Obviously, another guy making tremendous improvements over there on Fight Ready as well. But when I saw him having as much striking success as he did against JP Bays and the kind of look on JP Bays' face every time he got hit, it, it just doesn't look good, especially now going up against a guy like Montel Jackson, yeah. who I think probably hits harder than Bruno Silva and probably has a little bit more sneaky of an offensive jiu-jitsu game. I think JP's in some trouble here, yeah? Well, he's also twice the size you put bruno on top of bruno and you have montel like <laughs> i mean like he's huge he's, he's a big he's dude good i think that the, the the main thing is that he, he has the same hand size or glove size as francis which is absolutely crazy as a 135er yeah good god get out of here it's it's you know i i really like watching montel fight and i i think he i i think he's gonna have a good showcase here this honestly like let's get a little stupid here he could he could 50k bonus this fight yeah. this is a this is a fight where he could 50k bonus it i like it i like it all right let's move on to the next fight here we got zurong taking on brandon jenkins brandon jenkins obviously coming in on short notice here uh in terms of his odds he's sitting around plus 250 minus 270 is the return on zurong zurong the only person to miss weight this morning i think he was about two pounds off i think he was lost in translation as well as he's celebrating on the scale thinking that he made weight which was probably oh, one see, of the didn't see that. okay yeah he missed weight by two pounds uh again it looked like he thought he made weight because he started celebrating and all that stuff but i think his coach just told him afterwards but he didn't end up cutting the extra weight so he was still two pounds over uh looked in good spirits didn't look like a guy that was having a tough weight cut to begin with so i don't think there's too much to read into in terms of that uh however i think the odds here are way too wide it's minus close to minus 300 here on zurong brandon jenkins he's not the scrub that they just picked up off the street this guy has some decent skills he's 15 and 7 you know he has a, a plethora of fights on his record like we said last time around he went out there in pfl a couple weeks ago and flying knee the shit out of jacob kilburn beautiful flying knee knockout from him there uh and now he's making a quick turnaround and coming into the ufc zurong 21 years old 21 fights absolutely crazy what they're doing with these chinese prospects over there before bringing them over here to the north american scene uh but i still feel as though he has some holes in his game i don't mind his uh, striking a little bit more of a strict or um a crisper striker i should say shots down the middle uh good shots good technique uh brennan jenkins on the other hand i believe his nickname is the highlight reel and you definitely see it whenever you see him fight the guy likes to jump the guy likes to throw spinning stuff whatever it is he, he has some big power in his shots um I, I am reluctantly picking Zurong here, uh, but I do think that there is some value on Brandon Jenkins as a pretty big dog here. The spot that I actually like a lot is the under. I do think that we're going to see a knockout in this fight or a finish. The under 2.5 currently sits around minus 125. I, I feel as though there's going to be some value there, especially considering the short nurse nature that, nature that Brandon Jenkins is actually jumping into this fight with. Probably not the greatest cardio, uh, you know, you know, uh, in terms of taking this fight on short notice. So maybe he's just going in there with this uh, thought that I got to push the pace. I got to find this finish. Otherwise, the later this fight goes, my cardio is probably going to drop off and this kid will probably start to take over. Do you know much about Brandon Jenkins? What's the what's the word on that kid? A, a little bit. So, so I think Jenkins is you know, he's not a world beater. And I, I think um, his striking is not overly clean. He's a little tall. Um, he, his, his chin is high. Um, you know, like, yeah, he got the flying knockout over um, Kilburn, but two things with that one Kilburn, um, I think he was 0-3 in the UFC. Um, yeah. 
uh, I think his only, I mean, and he really, he got in the UFC because COVID. COVID happened. There, there, were, there were fights that needed to be filled, and, and he got the call because of that. Um, even before that, you know, flying knee, I think Kilburn, for as sloppy as he was, was winning that fight. Um, and he just happened to duck into it. I, I really, I am not sold on Zurong. Is, is, am I saying that right? Zurong? I, I, I hear wrong. Zurong. Zurong. I'm just going yeah, with Yeah, my pronunciations yeah. are horrible. But um, but I, I really, the, the good thing he has going for him, the biggest thing he has going for him is height and age. Okay. So those two things, that alone, being 21 is going to make him durable. You know what I mean? He, he's a little taller. Kilburn, I think, is 5'8". So, so flying knee from somebody, um, uh, uh, Jenkins is 5'11", six foot. Flying knees like that are, are going to come easier to somebody at that height differential. But he's not going to have that with Zhu Rong. So that said, um, Zhu Rong in his debut looked clean. He looked technical. His striking was solid. His movement was good. He looked like he knew what he was doing. And he got hit with every punch thrown at him. And it didn't matter what. So it makes me think, like, was that an adrenaline dump? Um, you know, he's 17 and 2, 17 and 3 coming into his UFC debut. Um, his striking, again, it looked clean. But, man, he got hit with everything. And, and it doesn't matter if he, if it was telegraphed or what. It, it, it was hit. He was getting hit with it. Um, that leads me to believe there's an adrenaline issue that you're just slow. You're kind of in slow motion. Because when he threw, he looked good. He landed some good shots, he, he, but again, he just did not look great. He looked like he was lost in the mud, or or some sorry, uh, stuck in the mud. Um, I, I think, I think he's going to have a better showing this time, and I think he is the superior, cleaner striker. And same thing that I said earlier is, you know, bet on a good stock at a fair price, not a fair stock at a good price. And, and I think we look at when I look at Brandon Jenkins, I, I see a guy who has got to hail Mary a pass to get the win. Um, and that's, those aren't odds that I like guys that hail Mary, um, again, in lower level fights, stuff like that, I, you know, it's whatever, but in the UFC, you can't count on a hail Mary nine out of 10 times, the, the five yard runs in inching across the field and scoring three points for four quarters is a better option than throwing 60 yard hail Mary passes, hoping to win. Um, and, and because of that, I think Zurong wins. I'm not sold on him. Um, but I, I think we're going to see a better version than we did last time. Yeah, that was that uh, that fight card where actually Wally Zhang ended up losing. They had three uh, Chinese prospects on the card, so maybe there's a lot of pressure on them to perform on the prelims and then obviously yeah. leading into that main event or that co-main event. I can't remember what it was uh, with Wally Zhang, but hopefully we see a better yeah. version of himself. Will he be able to cover minus 300? I'm not 100% sure, but hopefully we see at least a little bit better version of himself this time than he did against uh, Rodrigo Vargas in his debut. Yep. All right. Let's move on to the next fight here. We got Patty Kanzad going up against Raquel Pennington. <clears throat> We got minus 115 on Pennington, plus 105 on Panny Kanzad. Pretty much a pick em fight here. Santino, I'll actually let you kick this one off. How do you think this matchup goes down between these two uh, bad boys? <laughs> it's funny. Uh, I was going to say, I don't know. I mean, I've seen Raquel fight, of course. Yeah. I've never seen Panny fight. And okay, I that's one figure I thought you would have. <laughs> this, is, this is yours. Whatever you were going to say, okay. I was going to agree with 100%. Because this one, this one actually, and the next one, I'm like, 
huh? Like, okay. the, I'll take the Reigns on the next two. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I got you. Uh, yeah, no, I, I like uh, I like what Raquel brings to the table here. I think that she she's one of those fighters that that's not great at anything, but she's good at a lot of things. That and she's really good at terms of like meshing those things together from a striking to her takedowns to her clinch game. Her cardio is obviously one of the better things. Obviously, training there in Colorado helps a little bit, but she's been known to go out there and put on a bit of a pace on her opponents. Um, Penny Kanzad, disciplined striker, sometimes a little bit too disciplined, though, where she waits a little bit too much and almost lets her opponent kind of just take over, optically speaking, to the judges, right? Like the fight against Alexis Davis last time around for Penny Kanzad. Yeah, Penny won that fight, but if you go to MMA decisions, there's a lot of people that actually scored that fight for Alexis Davis. And it was more so just based off of Alexis moving forward, throwing shots. And even though she, was, she wasn't landing the biggest shots or the more significant strikes, um, it optically speaking, it didn't look the greatest towards the judges, which is why some people actually thought uh, Alexis on that fight the official record does show penny kanzad winning that fight and that's what matters at the end of the day she's the one going home with two checks rather than the one that alexis davis had to that night um here though i think if 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 you're if you're getting touched up by alexis davis in my opinion and this is nothing no shade at alexis davis you're gonna have some hey, trouble we're talking with like fights penny. man we're know, talking man. winners and Sensei, losers you know, and fights one thing i'm gonna tell you so when i started having like coaches and and you guys on I, I try to bite my tongue a little bit because I want to be expressive in terms of how I feel about these fighters and and say what I feel about them and and be respectful about it. But people got to remember, like, they're human humans at the end of the day, and they're also fighters yeah. at the end of the day. Well, you don't right? have to, like, call them, like, trash buckets. Like, <laughs> yeah. You don't have to make fun of people, but we're yeah. analyzing fights here. It's okay. We, we've got to, um, you, you know, like, it's just we're, – we're talking about winners and losers in fights. Yeah. One thing I would say is, man, in, in a in a room full of fighters, and this is in the gym, you know, always, there are always a lot of bitches because <laughs> like, man, we can punch and kick each other in the face. But man, if you even like nudged something or moved or looked, man, they, everyone's passive aggressive. Everyone's upset. Wow. Everybody's well, now like, man, just let it go. Let it out. Let the hate yeah. out. <laughs> like, like, think about it. Now we're talking about whether they're going to win or lose a fight. I'm sure they yeah. might get their patties in a little bunch, right? So <laughs> that's why you have to close the door at the beginning of the, the exactly. podcast. Exactly. <laughs> I'm shutting doors so I don't get jumped over here. But if they see it, I'll be like, hey, man, I said it. I said it. I said it. I'm sorry. Business just, and personal. I mean, Let's keep them yeah, separate. Yeah, you know, we're breaking right? down that's, fights. That's we're, we're breaking exactly. down fights. Exactly. I like so, yeah, you. Uh, Pennington, yeah, Pennington, I do believe she's going to be able to stay in Penny's face, uh, really make it tough for her to get her striking going, and then she should be able to mix in a couple of clinch, uh, some clinches and some takedown work here. I do think she'll land a couple of takedowns to get some control time here. I will say the one fight that I kind of look back on to kind of gauge whether Raquel Pennington will have success here is when she went up against Irene Aldana a couple of fights ago. I feel like Aldana is a much more difficult fight for Raquel Pennington, and she was able to pass that, albeit by split decision, but I feel like she's going to have less resistance and less power to worry about, I think, at the end of the day which is going to be the difference maker for her here. She's not going to be scared to close the distance. She's not going to be scared to push the pace and stay in front of her face. And that's why I'm going with uh, Pennington here. And I think we're getting a pretty damn good line, right? Minus 115, pretty much a yeah. pick and fight here. I do like her in this spot. Based off of what I just broke down, is there anything you feel like you can add to this matchup? Man, I, I mean, Raquel is tough. And what you said is she mixes it well, and she trains at altitude. And she's in your face. She's grimy. She's grindy. Um, and that's going to be a hard thing to deal with and like you said irena did it well but she is so tall and she is clean um and, and yes she and she's got some power. starch in her she does so um no I, I i think that was good analysis of raquel i don't know panny well um but raquel it seems like she's just getting better with age 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, she's a fighter that was never really that high on, but now I'm starting to give her some respect because she's going out there and pushing some of these opponents. All right, let's move on to the, I believe this is the prelim headliner. We got Tefan and Chukwe going up against Mike Rodriguez, and I'll take the reins here, Santino. Don't worry about it. We got odds uh, minus 150, or yeah, minus 110 for Tefan, uh, plus 100-ish, minus 110 on Mike Rodriguez. Uh, both guys, uh, not great uh, fights last time around. Tefan obviously coming up short against Junyoung Park, and then on the Mike Rodriguez side, he came up short against Danilo Marquez, where he just could not get Danilo off of him. Danilo managed to continuously drag him to the ground and then eventually find that submission at the ending of the second round. I expect this fight to be a stand-up fight for the most part, right? Both guys are predominantly strikers. Uh, Mike Rodriguez will obviously have a height advantage here. I believe he's three inches high, uh, taller, and I do think he has about a three or four inch reach advantage as well. Um I think that the more technical stri striking will come from the Tafan side, not to mention some of the power that he has. I like his consistency as well in terms of his output. And then when he's in the clinch, he stays active. And that's one thing I really like from fighters rather than just having them push their opponent up against the cage and, you know, slowly work for a takedown. You know, he's not really working for a takedown. He's just, you know, softening you up with knees to the to the thigh and, and just, just trying to rough you up, stay busy enough. Mike Rodriguez has some good power, has some good power in the clinch, obviously. Like when we saw him uh, knock out Marcin Pracnow a couple fights ago with some beautiful elbows but i do feel as though sometimes he just he has a little bit of a mental issue at times and i feel like that's something very difficult for a lot of fighters to get over i don't think he's going to go out there and mentally break a guy like tafon tafon is an absolute beast and i feel like people are jumping off his train too quickly after he lost as a favorite against junior park last time around now he's going back up to a light heavyweight where he won't be at such a speed disadvantage, although mike rodriguez will have a speed advantage in this fight i don't think it's going to be tremendous that it's a fight changer so I'm picking Tafan here. I actually think Tafan can go out there and knock out Mike Rodriguez as well. I think Rodriguez has a questionable chin, questionable durability. And I feel like Tafan, you know, notorious finisher on the regional scene. Obviously, it gets harder once you get to the UFC and start getting levels up in competition. But I feel as though he'll be able to find that shot and put Mike Rodriguez down. Is there anything you know about either of these guys that you want to want to add I here? I don't. I don't even know if I've seen either of them fight. Maybe I have. Maybe I have seen them fight, but I, I just don't recollect. Um, but that I, I think is the only fight that I I really don't have uh, an idea as to who is who. <laughs> All right, perfect. No worries. We'll keep this thing moving along. Eddie right showed up with some pizza for me too. Hey, so. perfect. Shout out to Eddie. Eddie. Sweet. Doctor Rex Lee, this is uh, give you a slice if you're here. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, Eddie. Next week. <laughs> all right all right let's uh let's move on to the main card here we got uh five what is that five or six fights left here uh yep. joaquin buckley going up against antonio ahoyo in terms of odds we're looking at plus 170 for ahoyo and minus 185 for buckley buckley obviously coming back after that knockout uh due from the hands of alessio di carico back in january and now he finally has that pressure off of his back that he had to continuously try to live up to after that beautiful knockout he had over impa kasanganai late last year I hand this over to you, brother. How do you feel about Buckley in this matchup going up against a tall, lanky striker in Antonio Hoyo? Man, I think Buckley wins. I, I think hands down, I think Buckley wins. Um, Arroyo is tall, but I don't know if they're listing his uh, height. I, I'm sorry, not his height, his reach correctly. They have him listed at 73-inch reach. He's six foot three. I am 5'10 with a 74-inch reach. Like, that is – like well, I don't, Let me, let me I, confirm I don't, that number for you. Yeah, like that, that's just crazy. I mean, I think Tapology has him at 73, 73 and a half. Um, yeah, actually, uh, uh, yeah, UFC stats also has him at 73 inches as well. Yeah, so that's yeah, Buckley. I think Buckley has 76 inch reach. Yes, so, that's um, correct. It is what they have that said. Um, you know, Arroyo, he, he thinks he's all right, there's a trend and it's driving me nuts. 
these people people think they're karate fighters and and arroyo has been standing this karate stance um in it's generally jujitsu people are non-native strikers are using this karate stance um i think it's because it, it creates a distance that long guarded sword frame um it, it lets people who aren't comfortable fighting in in the pocket and really taking hits with four ounce gloves it lets them have a little bit more distance a little bit more range um but the thing is they don't actually know what they're doing there when it comes down to it eventually you've got to put your hands at your chin sit in your hips and throw down and so you can be in a karate stance all you want but if you don't know what the hell you're doing in a karate stance it doesn't do you any good i don't think he knows what the hell he's doing in a karate stance um i don't think his wrestling is great um his jujitsu is not bad i mean his jujitsu is his, his strong point he's gonna try and get it to the ground but even that i'm not like i i don't know that that i would even if he got him down a couple of times all right maybe the second the end of the second round we start getting to the third round buckley fades okay now there's some jujitsu stuff all right now he starts throwing stuff but round one round you know early round two buckley is solid he's a clean striker um he he throws with heat we've seen that but he doesn't just throw one punch he throws 15 punches all with heat but he's a tight puncher as well um arroyo just he reaches he's all over the place he'll shoot from far away when he gets into trouble yeah he's tall he's huge i don't think he has anything to like i, I don't think he he knows what to do with that range, um, I, I'm going with Buckley all the way on this. Um, I, I, I mean, outside of him dragging it into the third round and, and maybe tiring Buckley out, because we haven't seen Buckley's ground game much, have we? I mean, I don't think, has he ended up on the ground in any of his fights? Not that I can recall, honestly. All of his fights have pretty much been striking. Kevin Holland, yeah, Impa uh, Kasanga and I, like, yeah, it's pretty much all been striking. And even with Impa or Holland, I forget who it was, caught a kick, blast him with an overhand, put him on, on his back. Um, I forget which which one, but then- I know Kevin Holland knocked him out in the third round. That was yeah, also a short spot for Buckley though. So I, I yeah. kind of give him a little yeah, bit of I'm slack there. I'm going with Buckley, man. He, he's yeah. got, I, I think, better competition, infinitely better um, stand-up fight IQ technique. Yeah, I'm going with Buckley all the way. Yeah, I do like Buckley here too. I actually think he is, he's going to have the cardio advantage here as well, which should help him in terms of continuously moving forward, throwing his barrage of strikes, yes. breaking Antonio Hoyo, and then eventually finding that chin. Hoyo notoriously slows down later in fights, yes. and he can't be doing that against a heavy puncher like Buckley here. I think that Buckley's going to find that chin at a certain point and get that knockout and get back onto a winning track. I do want to ask you a question about this. When you come off such a fucking spectacular knockout like he did against Impa Kasanganite. Like, what do you think that does to a fighter in terms of going out there? And, and like, just just for example, like, his next fight was against Jordan Wright, the Beverly Hills Ninja, right? He goes out there, and as the fight's about to start, they show the highlight of the knockout from the fight before. Like, literally right before the referee says fight. I've never seen that happen in MMA before. So imagine being Jordan Wright in the apex, staring across from Joaquin Buckley, and just before the fight's about to start, you look up at the screen and they saw him knocking the fuck out like I'm, I'm now i just want to talk from the buckley side of things like what do you think that does to a fighter when you have that thing in the back of your head i got to live up to a certain expectation to, to buckley i don't think it does anything i think to his <laughs> opponent showing that right beforehand they're going shit like this dude just murked a guy on tv and i'm standing in front of him now and this is on tv and oh crap i hope he doesn't murk me like that um <laughs> on the buckley side i think it's another saturday another i mean yeah. it's it's you just wake up you show up you do stuff i i don't think 
um, for me anyway. I feel like he I, put pressure on himself, right? Like, like the UFC is invested in me now because I provided them such a crazy highlight. Now they're giving me somewhat favorable matchups to go out there and try mm -hmm. to create more highlights, right? And then he gets knocked out by Alessio de Carico in January. Yeah. Now it's got to feel like, okay, let me just go back to doing Joaquin Buckley. Whether that's a highlight real knockout or not, let me do Buckley, right? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think it's hard to say. Some people let stuff get to their heads and, and others don't. Um, you know, it's hard to hard to gauge hard to gauge that. I, in in the terms of that highlight reel, I don't think that seeing it would would do much to me or or one of my fighters that much. I think the hype in the press from the time your fight of of the knockout against Impa into booking the next fight that's what you start to to buy into or not, and this and that, and then then you kind of decide during that course of time, can you? There's a lot of pressure. Can I handle it? But in terms of like right then, right there on the spot. Um, I, I don't know that it would affect somebody. If it hadn't affected them that entire throughout that entire process, I don't think it would. And if it did affect them throughout that entire process, I think that would highlight uh, and add more stress onto it right then and there. All right, let's keep this train moving on, since you know we got Nate Maness going up against Tony Gravely. In terms of odds, we're looking at minus two hundred ish for Gravely and plus one seventy five for Nate Maness. I'll quickly go over this and then hand it over to you. I'm a big fan of Tony Gravely. I think he can go out there and have a pretty successful UFC career, given his wrestling background, uh, given his ability to continuously ground fights. I think that's a very good uh, trait that he has. And then he has some pretty crushing top power as well in terms of finishing opponents, whether it's with ground and pound or with uh, with the submission. Nate Maness, on the other hand looks to be more of a striker uh definitely better with his jiu-jitsu when he's in club and sub situations like the Luke Sanders fight or the uh um or, or when he's on top of his fighters compared to when he's on his back we saw in the Johnny Munoz fight uh Johnny Munoz Jr. fight sorry where um when he was taken down it didn't seem like he had much resistance like he was giving up some positions against a guy like Munoz Jr. who you know albeit was born on a mat to BJJ ace over there uh, and I felt as though he was really close to finishing Nate Maness at the ending of that first round if he had maybe 10 more seconds he probably would have got him out of there. Then, unfortunately for Johnny Munoz, he was unable to ground Nate Maness in that second round, and that's where Maness started to take over and ultimately win that fight. In the Luke Sanders fight, it seemed another spot where it was clear as day to a lot of people where let's go out there just try to get Maness down, and that's where you probably have the best uh, path to success. Obviously, I'll let you kind of explain that. You guys were, I believe, cornering Luke Sanders that night, so you guys can give us a little bit more insight. But I do think that Gravely has shown that he goes out there, uses the takedown when he needs to use it, and I feel like he's going to do that this weekend against Nate Maness, and I actually think he can get him out of there. So another sneaky spot I like in this fight, under 2.5 is plus 155. That covers a possible Nate Maness KO or late finish, which I think he is possible of doing, or it covers that Tony Gravely uh, top control, which I think he'll be able to get in the first and second round and then quickly find a finish quickly thereafter. I do like the Tony Gravely side. I am pretty confident on him this weekend, especially if he's able to go out there and use his wrestling and ground this fight and you know nullify that striking advantage I think that Nate Maness has here. Uh, so yeah, I'm taking Gravely, Gravely by uh, by finish, probably first or second round, and the under two and a half is another spot that I like. Speak on this fight. Obviously, you guys know Nate Maness a little bit just because of having to prepare for him in the past. How do you think he stacks up against Gravely, and uh, what do you think happens to Nate? You know, I think it's spot on. I think, I think Gravely, he's about Luke, Han Luke Sanders' height. Um, he's got good wrestling, and he throws bombs. Um, you know, and I think Luke tagged Maness up quite a bit in that first round. Um, almost think he could have put him away in a couple of different areas. And, you know, Luke, he just had a big adrenaline dump, gassed hard. He hadn't fought in two years. Um, you know, kind of had a weird warm up and stuff. You know, he just, he just, you know, whatever, for, for whatever reason, 
he gassed out in that second round. And with that, he kind of just fell asleep for a second. I remember after he threw, threw a punch and just kind of like waited and turned around. And when he turned around, Manessa was just there and hit him, you know, dropped him and, and, and got the finish. Um, Manessa is durable. He's tough. Um, I, I, I think he's going to be a good addition to the roster. I think he's going to be a good 500 fighter. Um, but, but I think Gravely wins. I think Gravely, um, I think Gravely can do to Manasse what Luke Sanders did to Manasse in that first round without gassing. And then I think it just continues for, for two or three rounds. I, my only disagreement there, not even disagreement. My, my curiosity is I don't know if he puts Manasse out. Manessa is, is just a tough, tough, tough guy. Um, he's been finished once before and has only lost to a body shot. Um, but I think, I think he's going to be one of those guys who just won't die. I think he's going to be hard. I, I think, I think Gravely is going to win really like 30, 27 across the board, maybe 30, 26, maybe he gets a 10, eight round in there somewhere. Um, but I don't, I don't know if he'll put Manessa away. Just he, dude's tough, tough as nails. For, for me, the reason I kind of lean on the inside of the distance is seeing the positions that Munoz was able to get to and almost finishing mm -hmm. him. I think that we're going to see a little bit more gas tank out of Gravely and more dominance from that top position that he should be able to either get a ground and pound finish or a submission of some sort. Before we move on to the next fight, in terms of that Lou Sanders fight, do you mind sharing what the game plan was going into that fight? Like, was it to go out there and sling some bombs and try to knock this guy out? Or was it to eventually mix in some takedowns? No, it was absolutely get some takedowns. Take sling bombs. Because Luke has like cannons in his hand. Like, mm -hmm. you, you see him, he touches people and they're rocked. Um, yeah. it, it was get bombs, take uh, Manesse down. The thing though is uh, Luke is a, is a leg wrestler. He shoots, he takes people down beautifully. He's got these beautiful um, high crotch singles switched into a double takedowns, high crotch lift takedowns, um, double leg. And in that fight, he was going all upper body. And he doesn't. I, I've never seen him once in the room go for an upper body takedown. I, I, honestly, I don't know if I've ever seen him once go for an upper body clinch, body lock type of takedown. Uh, and, and I think that really threw him off. Manessa's a taller, wouldn't die. And then, you know, Luke gassed out and, and was going for those upper body takedowns that I, I, I think that was a, um, you know, I, th I think it'd been a long time. It'd been two years since he fought. Last time he fought was Barral. He had full yeah. reconstructive ACL surgery, then COVID hit, then he had a baby uh, born, and there's some major complications with that. So so it, it was a, it, two years. Um, a two-year layoff for a 25-year-old is not that big of a deal. A two-year layoff with a 34-year-old is a, is a much bigger deal. And, and I think father time just caught up to him and just being out of the cage for that long, we caught up to him. Um, and Maness was able to weather the Luke storm and Luke was not able to get that takedown like we like we thought he was going to, and like the game plan was to get, um, and and Maness capitalized. I like I like a shout out to Cool Hand Luke Saunders who actually just hung up his gloves. I believe yesterday he put out the post. Um, so shout out to him. One Happy of my favorite humans on the planet, man. Awesome. That guy is just nothing but pure awesomeness. I love it. I love it. All right. Um, out of respect for your time, we're going to keep this train moving on for the next uh, fight here. Fight that I'm very out of respect for the to. viewers' time. <laughs> for you, my man. I, I again, you're, you're doing this pro bono. You're you're sitting over there. I know you're cooped up in a hotel room, and you probably got some things to do. So I do appreciate you uh, carving out some time. You or Eddie forcing you to carve out some time. For yeah, you. yeah, yeah. This is all Eddie. You can thank him. <laughs> for sure. For sure. All right. Eddie's uh, my new again. manager. <laughs> I like it. You got to give him a cut or something when you start yeah, getting handles all my bookings. 
<laughs> I love it. Um, all right. Uh, very much looking forward to Armand Sarukian here going up against Christos Yagos. I think Sarukian is the real deal. This guy is going to be top three in no time. In terms of odds, obviously, he is the biggest favorite on the card. Minus 750, plus 600 is the return on Christos Yagos. Uh, very interested to hear your thoughts on both, well, specifically Armand Sarukian, and also if you think that Christos Yagos actually has a chance in this fight. How do you see this one going down, brother? Again, this is, uh, I told you I was going to be annoying. Well, we fought Christos with uh, Drakkar. So I, I know yes. him well. Um, that dude in round one is a freaking world beater. He is phenomenal. He really has good hands. His jiu-jitsu is great. Uh, his wrestling is good. The guy is really, really good. And he fades hard. He fades. Absolutely fades hard. Um, that said... Um, I, I think Sarukian wins this. I think I think smart money is on Sarukian. Um, but I, I think Sarukian showed some holes against Matt Frivola in the first round. I think Frivola was able to reverse him a little bit, create some scrambles, was able to get back up, throw a little bit where on paper uh, you wouldn't expect that. I think he lateral dropped him. Um, lateral dropped him or hip tie. I forget what it was. I think it was a lateral. It, it just had, some, it had a couple moments that, that were just a little shocking um i, I think christos is actually going to have some of those good moments in that first round and i would not be surprised if christos is close to a submission in that first round a dars a guillotine a rear naked choke off of some of those things um he does need a hail mary to win it um he's got to get that submission in that first round to to get you know for for any chance to win um that said i don't think he does but it wouldn't i, I think sarukin wins it i think it's smart for him to be the favorite like that but it would not be the craziest thing i've ever seen to see christos like like wild some shit in in round one and end up catching him which would be a huge upset it would be a, a massive upset like not like i would say bet christos i, I think sarukin wins it um but it 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 would be a, you know i, I think it wouldn't even be as it, it's not a holly home uh, Ronda Rousey type of upset in my book because Christos has that jujitsu pedigree, but he also has he's very dynamic, he's very explosive. So wouldn't I, again Shrukin wins this? I, I think he's I think he is solid. Um, I think he is the real deal. His cardio, like that dude, will never get tired. He could run like across country with wrestling bears the whole time, and and he would be breathing like you and I are now. I'm probably breathing heavier speaking than he is wrestling bears on a cross country run. Um, he, he's a smart money. Um, I wouldn't bet it just because the line. It's crazy, right? It's not a good line to bet. It's not a good line to bet. Um, you got to put, you know, eight, nine, you know, hundred thousand dollars down to win a hundred bucks. And um, Christos has some of that dumb, like upset style. So you don't want to bet a thousand dollars to win it. The juice isn't worth the squeeze on that one. Stay away from that bet. Um, Sarukian probably wins it, but who cares? Because nobody should be betting that fight anyway. Uh, my guy Jack nine four four zero bringing up a prop here. Yagos by submission thirty three to one for him to lock up something here. So plus thirty three hundred, not bad. Uh, if you do think he has a little bit of a shot to snatch something up here, I, I again I think Sarukin is the shit man. I think that uh, him yeah. and Islam Mahachev are actually going to have a rematch for the title in the next maybe two years or so. Uh, talk about a tough UFC debut going up against Islam Mahachev right. on short notice, but Sarukin made a very good account of himself, man. He was going takedown for 
takedown with Islam. Like he had, uh, he had his own moments of success there, and that's not something you can say for a lot of Islam's opponents. No, so uh, Sarukian, uh, obviously, uh, used to be over there at Tiger Muay Thai. It seems like something's going on over there. Uh, it's closing up shop. I believe George Hickman already left over there. Um, but uh, now Sarukian, Piotr Jan as well, finding themselves down at American Top Team, which I think is good for them to be able to get those bodies and and get that type of training. My 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 thing here is taking Sarukian inside the distance due to that heavy fall off oh, of Christos Yagos yes. later in fights. I do think that Sarukian will be able to put on a pace that's going to tire out Yagos by the sixth or seventh minute. Then he should be able to take over from there. I think he has the better striking. His striking is obviously improving on a fight-to-fight -fight basis as well. And I think it's plus 170 right now for Sarukian to win inside oh, the see, distance. Oh, see, I like right? that bet. That is yeah. a bet I could get behind you know, yeah. Sarukian inside the distance. That's something that I would go for. Um, a, a straight up at, at negative eight, nine hundred, a thousand. No, it's not worth it. But but Sarukian inside the distance. Now you're talking. Now now you're talking my language. Let's go, Santino. You got Let's the you go. got the That's casino right up the uh, right up the street. No, Let's go. Plus which I can't get to. What's that? <laughs> water, water everywhere. And all the boards to shrink. Water, water everywhere. Nor any casino to get to. I love it. I love it. Uh, but yeah, I like Sarukian here. I actually did. I, I was that schluck. I was that square that parlayed Sarukian with that uh, fight doesn't go to decision that we talked about earlier with Montel Jackson and JP Bays. I got minus 150 on that parlay. I, I think it's. See, those are good odds. You, you, add, you add stuff like that. You put in a parlay. Don't put all your money on, you know, eggs in one basket, something like that. Um, like you said, a prop bet, a parlay bet, something like that that you think, absolutely, go do it. Don't throw $1,000 down to win 100 bucks on Sarukian. Yeah. It's just, yeah, the straight bet's not worth it. The, I mean, yeah, it's, he, he probably wins it, but it, it's, Jagos, you know, he, he's got the slightest chance of a wild dynamic style. Like, yeah. like, like there, there are better matchups for those odds. Like, again, if, if it was, you know, if Sarukian was minus 200, I'd say bet the, the house on him. The house, minus 900, yeah, yeah just... Right there with you. Um, all right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got Mandy Baum going up against Ariane Lipsky. I feel as though this is one of those fights you're not going to have a good read on either of these fighters. So I'll kick things off here. No, you man, no, bring it, bring it. I <laughs> yeah, know, I, I know Ariane. She, she's coming okay, with let's us. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Um, kick it off. I, I know her. Um, she, you know, her, her and her Sorry, did you say just, she trained with you guys? Is that what She's come up and trained with us at Fight Ready. Not like for okay. a camp or anything, but just while she's in town, she's come up for a week or two here or there. And, you know her her husband who's her her main coach is is such a nice guy she's phenomenal she's such a sweetheart of a human i think they're at att now um training yes. full-time which is which is a good camp um and i think um i think bohm is a poor poor man's version of a woman poor woman version of of ariani lipsky um i i think they're they're both muay thai fighters That's a damn good comparison the, actually yeah they're 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 it i mean they're yeah. they're I mean, they're Muay Thai fighters who are long and gangly, but have a good Muay Thai clinch, who neither have great wrestling and have decent jujitsu. Um, I think with that said, I think Ariani has the better all of those things um, and, and just has a, the more experience and she's fought tougher people. If you look at Bohm's opponents, her last opponent in Bellator is five and three. Um, yeah. It, it, the opponent before that, I think, was three and one, and then I think, don't quote me on this, but almost, almost every other opponent was like, zero and one, one and one, zero and zero, zero and zero. I think so, a lot of that was over in Germany, and then her yes. last two fights was TKO up in up here in Canada, and then the other one was Bellator, like you said. But yeah, very sketchy yeah. competition on uh, so German regional. The competition's scene. not great. 
um, Bohm throws her, she, she has a fast jab. Um, she moves okay standing. Her straight punches are good, but man, she throws so many of these looping hooks, left and right hooks, doesn't matter. And they are slow and they have no power on them whatsoever. The, I, I think her real, um, where she shines as a striker is her clinch. She's got a good clinch. She throws good knees and she's tall. That said, I think Ariane is, is Ariane, Ariane, I don't know. Um, either or, either or. My pronunciations of names are the worst in the book. Um, but I think, I think Lipsky, uh, is, is, I think she's more athletic. I think she's faster. I think she's more dynamic and I think she's more experienced. And, and I think all things equal, they're the, uh, Lipsky is a better version of Bone. And, and I think she gets the win. Uh, I am picking Lipsky here as well. My main concern, and it's why I can't put my money on Lipsky and, you know, until we see this improvement is that takedown defense and her inability to get back to her feet. That's just, it's too, it weighs too much on me. Like a part of me could see a world where Baum does land a takedown and then Lipsky just is not able to get back to her feet. Like I know she had that weird knee bar victory over Luana, you know, a couple fights back. That was, you know, once in a lifetime situation, right? You don't see that scenario more often than not. Um, but here, like, it, it wouldn't surprise me if Baum goes out there and tries to land a takedown. She has the ever highly touted uh, Daniel Weichel in her corner as her main training partner and obviously her head coach over there. So obviously black belt in jiu-jitsu is probably going to want to try to instill that on her, especially when it's as clear as day on fight tape. If you watch any of Ariane Lipsky's fights, you can see that she has an issue in terms of trying to get back to her feet. Uh, that's obviously something you got to believe that Pohumpa and those guys over there in ATT are going to try to remedy so that she can get back to her feet and let her weapons go, which is why she's been given the nickname, the, the queen of violence, right? Over there in KSW when she was fighting in Poland. We haven't seen her achieve her full potential yet in the UFC. We haven't seen the violence. Fighters. Exactly. Yeah. We, 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 the, Lipsky the, comes out to the cage, but the violence stays in the locker room. Yeah. That's what I've been saying the last couple of fights, right? Like the closest thing to violence we've seen with her is that knee bar. And that was a jujitsu. Exactly. That wasn't, that wasn't even striking. And that was, I mean, that was legit. It was awesome. But that, yeah. that was the closest thing. So, yeah. So that, that that's just my main concern there. It's mainly is is Lipsky going to be able to get back to her feet if Baum does decide to take this fight to the ground? If she can, she will have a field day on the feet, in my opinion. And I think she could actually get her out of there too. I think we might see that pent up rage of Lipsky come out, and you know she's been on tough time so far on a two fight skid here. If she's able to go out there, get her hands going, get her elbows going, get that Muay Thai going, she's going to put Baum into into some trouble. So I like uh, Lipsky here. I like her inside the distance as well, uh, especially if she can get her striking going and get off her back. Uh, and then the under two and a half is another spot that I like as well in case Baum does pull something out of her butt in my yep. opinion plus 185 for the under two and a half not too bad of a line there um all right let's keep this train moving on we got the main event coming up Iwan Kute Laba going up against Devin Brown Bear Clark Santino I'll let you kick this one off brother How, what do you think about these guys who gets their hand raised tomorrow well I'm just wondering if Ian Cutabella is Sean Strickland's cousin because <laughs> He seems as batshit as Sean Strickland. Not quite. I mean, it's hard to, there are levels to batshit, and I don't think he can. Strickland is to, more vocal, let's be honest. Yeah. Well, Strickland <laughs> is, you know, he's another level of like awesome. Like he is just wild. I love him. He is wild. Oh, yeah. He, he is out there. Um, I love his antics. I, I think he's a lot of fun. But I mean, he says some wild shit. So Cutabella yeah. seems to, you know, kind of the same thing. Um, I think Cutabella wins this. I, I, I think he's he's the better striker. Um, he likes to fight more. And I think um, Clark, I, I, I don't know that Clark likes to fight. I think he likes to compete. And there's a very, very, very big difference in that. He, when he gets hit, he shells up. 
um, almost to the point where like, like he, you could almost stop a fight anytime he shows up because he's really, really over-exaggerates it. Not over-exaggerates it, but like stays there for too long. Um, he really takes a shot there. He looks very uncomfortable when he's getting hit. Um, he, he is not a polished striker. Um, but that said, he's not a phenomenal wrestler either. So um, I, I think he's strong. I think he's athletic. I think he's dynamic. I think we're going to see him come out there like he does and just absolutely blitz Cutabella um, and, and try and put him on the mat fast and early. But I, I think Cutabella is a little grittier, a little grimier, and I think he has more ways to win. And, and I think eventually they'll be on their feet long enough for Cutabella to, to find Clark's chin enough to put him away. I, I think there's a finish. I think he finishes this. I like it. Um, I do agree with you there. I, I will be taking Kutalaba by KO as well. Uh, the one fight that kind of sticks out to me for Clark in terms of, uh, you know, I, I do agree with you in the fact that he doesn't take a shot well. He kind of turtles up almost immediately. But we got to give him some praise for that Alonzo Benefield fight where he was able to take some shots. He busted his eye. And for some way and somehow, he was able to withstand that and give Alonzo Benefield his first ever loss. Goes out there and cl pretty much clinch fucks him. That's the epitome yeah. of clinch fuck. He goes out there. No, that's how he wins. Cage. That's exactly yeah. how he wins. Um, I think not necessarily get the takedown, but just no, doing work up just, against the cage. He's if he wins, it's the same way that Hannah Goldie needs to win. Yes, like they there have the same path to victory: big, strong, athletic, push against the fence, and hope you ride the clock. Yeah, my, my main concern with Kudalaba, I I do think he has a bit of a gas tank issue. I feel as though his power does start to fall off probably in that sixth or seventh minute. So if he is going to get anything going, it's got to be early here. I think uh, he'll actually be able to stuff a couple of takedowns here from Clark. Or even if he does get taken down, I think we'll see him quickly get back to his feet and then let his hands go after that and find that chin of uh, Devin Clark. So I'm glad we're actually on the same page here yeah. of the of the co-main event. Uh, speaking of uh, a fighter that actually did fight Devin Clark recently, uh, and is in the main event. We got Ryan Spann going up against Anthony Smith. Uh, in terms of odds, we're looking at minus 160 for Anthony Smith, plus 140 for Ryan Spann. I'll give you my thoughts on this, and then I'll let you digest it and give us your, your thoughts after that. Uh, Anthony Smith was one of those guys I was kind of writing off after his uh, Alexander Rakic fight. I didn't think that he was really showing anything since the third round of the Glover to share fight where he wanted to win, right? Like, it, he was just getting stuck on his back, uh, maybe trusted his jiu-jitsu a little bit too much, but it just didn't feel like he was that active off of his back. Um, but he was just getting you know, grounded by these guys, couldn't do anything off of his back. Then he bounces back, obviously, with that Devin Clark win, short notice main event slot back in November. Uh, and then he had that weird fight against Jimmy Crew, where he was a, a decent underdog, but he did get his striking going. Uh, and then obviously he landed that weird kick that messed up Jimmy Crute's, uh Jimmy Crute's leg over there. I do like Anthony Smith in this spot, though. I do think he's durable enough to withstand those big strikes from Ryan Spann. I think Ryan Spann's cardio is another spot that kind of starts to fall off after that seventh or eighth minute. Uh, we did see him get a little bit lazy in that third round against Sam Alvey, getting hit a couple times, almost got 10 aided in that round. You probably could have given that uh, a, a draw, to be honest. But I just don't like what we've been seeing from Spann when he gets pushed later into fights. He's going to have to get Ryan uh, Anthony Smith out of there early. If he doesn't, hey, Haile Alatang, there, there he is. There. is. <laughs> <laughs> that's the guy does he speak english no <laughs> he does not speak english <laughs> we've got we've got all the crew and this is our workout hey, room we got look that. on Some the ground behind yeah, the scenes even, access for you I guys put a here. light up here so we could get a little bit better lighting <laughs> it's like tipped over to the side it was in the back so we're, we're awesome. getting it done right now 
<laughs> Tell them we're saying we're good luck. I know a lot of people that are on him this weekend. So, <laughs> yes, let's go. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Awesome. Uh, but, yeah, I'll quickly wrap this up here. Anthony Smith, I think he uh, withstands the early onslaught, and then he takes over in the third, fourth, and fifth round, probably finds a finish in that third or fourth round, whether it's via TKO on the ground or he locks up a submission. He does have an nasty jiu-jitsu game of his own, but it's when he's on top where he does his best work. Um, so, yeah, if Ryan Spann's not able to get him out of there in that second round or that first or second round, I think he's going to be in some trouble. The last line I will say before handing this off to you, fight doesn't go to decision is minus 290. A little bit chalky, but I definitely think a parlayable piece as well. Throw in a parlay with Sarukian or throw in a parlay with Aaron Blanchfield and you get some better odds. But uh, one thing for sure, I can almost, I feel like we can guarantee this fight's not going to a decision. And uh, I, I actually do think that Anthony Smith is the rightful favorite and he will get his hand raised this weekend. Break down the main event for me, Santino. How do you think this one goes down, brother? Well, I think you're right if... If um, Span wins, it, it's see. I think it is a decision. I think the only way that Span wins is a decision. Um, I think if um, Smith wins, I think it's a finish. Um, I said so. I broke this fight down a little bit the other day for for an article, and I, I incorrectly thought it was a three round fight. And I thought in a three round fight, I think Ryan Span wins it. I think Ryan Span gets him to the cage. Anthony Smith, for as tough as he is, has some of the worst takedown defense um, at the that high of a level that we'll see in our sport right now. Um, do, do you know what Smith is ranked right now? Uh, I will quickly pull that up. He's top 10, though, right? I believe he's top 10. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, somebody top 10, top 15, uh, who is taken down as much as he is. Like, I just don't know anybody else in the top 10 or 15 in any division that gets number taken six. down. Is number okay, six. yeah. So, I mean, can, I, I can't think of anybody in any division that gets taken down as much as he does um, at that high of the level. Um, that said, Spam gets the takedown. He's big, he's strong, he's athletic, um, and, and I think he's going to get the takedown. He's a Saeed guy. Same thing I said in the article is, is those guys are generally tough. They're tough. They're not native wrestlers, but they're, they do well on a cage. They grind it out. And, and, and I think he'll do that. I think that's what he's going to do. Um, and, and originally I said Span wins a third round. Or I'm sorry, he wins a decision. You know, decision. I think he wins it. Yeah. And then he was like, well, it's a five-round fight. And I was like, well, shit. Um, that, <laughs> I, it makes me think, you know, Anthony Smith, for as bad as his takedown defense is, that dude has some aces up his sleeve. And I, I think he can you know, pull a hat trick. And, and I, I think the two keys to Smith's victory are getting enough shots in and scoring while he's on his feet before he gets taken down and then trying to find a hat trick in the fourth and the fifth round. Um, I, I think he, he might be able to do that. I, it wouldn't surprise me, but I still, I'm sticking to my guns and I think Span ends up winning this. I think this is going to be, if Span has the cardio to go five rounds, I think he, um, without the damage is it rasic his last guy is that how you say his last opponent smith's rasic rasic um uh no his last opponent was crude uh, his uh, last before... loss was alexander rakic rakic yeah. yeah but the crude one too he, smith was losing that fight smith yeah. uh, he, he he was getting he was getting up. taken he, down he was getting, he was getting taken, taken down, down yes. at will yeah. he was getting taken down he got that calf kick that messed his leg up like that was a crude fight here and now that that was that fight was about to end up just like a uh, Rasik 
rat, how, geez, I can't say a damn name. Just <laughs> racket. 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 On, that was a racket fight and, and yeah. a Glover fight. That, that was yeah. about to happen. I think Span can do the same thing. I don't think he's going to put the damage on him that those other guys were able to just in terms of ground and pound, but I think he's going to get the takedown or just, just push him to the, to the cage and clinch him. Um, I think he's going to grind him out. And, and I think really, as long as Spam doesn't screw up or gas, I think he gets a five round decision out of it. Yeah, I think this is the first time all week I've actually heard somebody taking Span by decision, but I can definitely see that grapple fucking path to victory for him. For me, it's more so, can he keep it up for 25 minutes? Yeah. I, I don't think he can. Right. I, I really see do that? think that his productivity starts to drop off in that 11 and 12th minute of fights. Yeah. That worries me. That His cardio does worry me. But he's got good yeah. jiu too. He might be able to pull... I, I don't know when the last time we've seen Smith submitted, but, um, you know, Smith has good jujitsu, but, but sort of span and, and span grabs necks, not arms. Yeah. So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he were to grab a neck. Okay. All we're right. Gonna head uh, all right. Perfect. Well, uh, we're, we're just, we're just two last thoughts. Up, yeah. Well, we'll uh, get that going in about five minutes. Uh, two things that I want to, uh, I wish I could have you on for next week as well, because we have a big UFC 266 card, but there's two predictions. I just want off you from right off the bat, uh, main events of next week. Alexander Volkanovsky versus Brian Ortega. Uh, obviously, there's a little bit of a, a fight-ready connection there, a, a little love fest going on. But yes. uh, if you could give some sort of prediction, how do you see that one going down? Um, I, I think I think Ortega gets it. I think he gets it because I think, um, first of all, he's a southpaw, so that takes away the calf kicks that Ortega is known for. Um, and Ortega is known – people have to keep their distance and be very wary because uh, – of the takedown of Volkanovsky, you're going to shoot in and put your neck near Brian Ortega. Go yeah, for it. So yeah, I think we're, I think Ortega's our, uh, our next champ. You think he gets a sub or do you think he uh, just pitters him kind of what he did to TKZ? Do you think that that would look similar to that fight? Um, you know, I don't know. I could see either of those things happening. He's long, he's rangy, he's a southpaw. Um, neither would surprise me. All right, with all due respect to Lauren Murphy, I'm not going to ask you about Murphy and Shevchenko, but I am very curious to hear your thoughts on the return of Nick Diaz and probably uh, a, you know, a wet dream in terms of a matchmaker going up against Robbie Lawler in his return here. How do you think that fight goes down? And also, what do you think about Nick Diaz coming back after what? What is that, seven years off? Six Gosh. years off that he's been now? That is the million-dollar question. What has Nick Diaz been doing? Why is he coming back right now? Does he need money? Has he been training? Like, what's going on? Um, Robbie has been training and, you know, I mean, he's had, he's had his downs. Um, you know, the Woodley knockout was bad. Um, yeah. and, and that was a few years ago, but you know, it wouldn't surprise me if, um, you know, if, if Nick Diaz looked great. Um, but I, I think, I think Robbie gets it. Robbie's he's smarter these days. He's more calculated. He is phenomenal. He's not going to be worried about things and, and i think uh i think robbie gets the the victory i love it i love it last thing what is your essential lock of the night play for tomorrow's card you like sarukian inside the distance aaron blanchfield well what's the one that sticks out to you the most oh, one of the viewers here if they're I if think... they're taking santiago defranco's word for it going to the betting window what are you telling them to bet on for tomorrow um aaron blanchfield like i think that's okay. the biggest lock of the night um straight up i mean the odds aren't great she's negative 600 see if you can find a parlay or something Oh, is she minus 300? Okay, okay. Yeah, I was thinking uh, Buckley. Throw in a parlay with, with Buckley. Um, throw in a parlay with Buckley and Sarukian under the, you know, inside the distance. Something like that. And I think you can make some good money on those.
Awesome. I love it. I love it. Santino, thank you so much for doing this. Obviously, shout out to Eddie for, for bullying you into this. Thank you for doing it. Uh, is there anything you want to you wanna say on the way out here and then I can wrap up the show? No, not at all, man. I appreciate you having me on. And, uh, you know, I guess I would just say don't lose all your money betting. <laughs> yes. Gamble responsibly. Yes. Words from Santino DeFranco. Thank you, Santino. Good luck Go tomorrow. Go put your money in 401k stocks. There you go. Good luck to Haile Alatang and the team tomorrow. Hopefully you guys come out with the victory. And then I believe you guys are back next week in Vegas for Jonathan Pierce going up against Omar Morales. That should be a great Correct. fight. Can't wait. Looking forward to that one as well. Uh, I hope to bump into you in Vegas next week. I will be coming down on Thursday all the way there to Sunday. So I'm going to I'm gonna have my, my peepers on for you and Eddie. Uh, but yeah, good luck on the fights tomorrow. Appreciate all the live viewers that we have. If you guys haven't already, make sure you hit that like, hit that subscribe. And then show my guy Santino DeFranco some love. I have his IG profile in the description description as well as his youtube channel let's get those fucking subscribers up for santino you drop some solid content on there on a week-to-week basis sometimes they'll give you a pick on pay-per-views go ahead santino. you know the, the one thing i would say is uh you know if, if anybody has questions like i was uh you know am, am open to questions doing a podcast or, or just even a youtube video about uh training questions things like that if anybody ever wants to shoot me a question i love uh i love adding some some pieces to the to the puzzle so Feel free. What's the best way to get a hold of you? Would you say uh, DM me on IG? Yep, IG. There you go. If you guys want to get a hold of Santino, there you guys have it. All right, Santino, again, appreciate you coming on. Uh, And good luck on your bets tomorrow. Gamble responsibly. Good luck with your bets. Yes, (laughs) gamble responsibly, but make sure we make some money tomorrow. Appreciate everybody joining us. And we'll see you guys next week.